All right, good morning. First things first, I sound terrible. I know that. I know it. I'm not sick, but somehow or another this week, I've lost my voice a bit. So I'm going to get through the message the best I can. And my hope is you'll just excuse me that I sound so awful. It sounds like I'm up to three packs a day by this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm still at one pack, so, you know, like, it's just worse than, no, I'm kidding, it's a joke, you guys, it's, you know, I'm not serious about all that, but I hope you'll just excuse me, you'll bear with my voice this morning, because what are you going to do, right? Uh, either that or plug your ears, go to sleep, and we'll see you in an hour, okay? This morning, though, to start things off, I actually want to take you back, like, way back. Let's get in the way back machine, let's go all the way back to that ancient time, fall of 2014. All right, we're gonna go way back. Nobody even remembers what was going on at that time. How did we survive? I mean, it was a long time ago. Fall of 2014, my wife Amber and I were living in Florida and we had just decided to pack up everything and to move to Calgary in order to start Connect Church. And so we were doing a lot of dreaming at the time. We were doing a lot of planning. We were getting stuff ready to go. We had big vision, you guys. We had lots of stuff in mind. We knew exactly what the city of Calgary Calgary needed, you know, we were ready to go. And along the journey, we had a coach say to us, hey, what you should do is you should line out some goals, some things that you would like to see true of Connect Church at maybe the one year mark. So paint a picture, Dan, Amber, paint a picture of what you think Connect Church will look like in one year's time. So that would be right around fall 2017 right now. So years and years ago, 2014, Amber and I sat down and we started painting a picture of what we thought Connect Church would look like at this point. And I have to tell you, looking back, it's kind of funny, to be real honest with you. I went back and I was looking at some of those things that we had said, some of the goals we had set, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how could we have been so wrong about so much, right? We said three years ago, that Connect Church was going to be meeting in Evanston, Calgary. If you're not familiar with the city of Calgary, Evanston is a large community on the very north edge. And clearly, you are not in Evanston this morning, all right? We were dead wrong about that. We thought we knew even where we were going to be meeting, and it turns out we didn't. Where are my Airdrie people at? You guys around? Yeah. Represent? Come on, man. Airdrie's a great place. All right, where are my northeast people at? You're in northeast Calgary somewhere. A few of you guys right on. None of you would be here if we were correct, if our vision for this church had come to pass, you guys wouldn't be here. And it's not because like you wouldn't have driven into Evanston or anything like that, but in truth, we would have never thought to advertise in your area. We would have just hyper-focused on Evanston, on Simons Valley, on those communities there, and we wouldn't have given you guys a second thought. And yet, God redirected us here to Cross Iron Mills, and we're able to reach out into a much broader area than we ever thought was possible. That was number one. Number two, we expected that we were gonna be meeting at an elementary school in Evanston. In case you're unsure, you are not in an elementary school. This is clearly a movie theater, and thank God for it, okay? Where are my people with backsides? Anybody got a bum in the room? That's all of you. Come on, raise your hands. Yeah, <clears throat> so here's the thing. If I had been right, if our vision, what we had expected, if that had actually happened, probably most of you guys wouldn't have come because you would have been sitting in metal folding chairs on a hardwood gym floor, and that ain't easy on the posterior, you guys, all right? We thought, okay, 
one year in, we'll probably be running an attendance of maybe 65 to 75 people. That was our goal. We thought in Calgary, that would be a good number, especially year in where we don't know anybody. We're not starting with a team or any of that. And so we said, all right, let's shoot for 65 or 75 people at year one. Right now, we're running about 170 to 175 on Sunday mornings, which is really exciting. But what, hey, listen, what that means is if our vision for the church had been right, more than half of you guys wouldn't be here this morning. You'd be home sleeping in bed. All right, one last one. This is my favorite one of all. When we were planning, Amber was kind of lining out our worship ministry. She was predicting what it was going to look like and, you know, what sort of music we'd use and all that sort of stuff. And Amber's original vision for Connect when it comes to the worship ministry was a very stripped down, acoustic, folksy type of worship which is the exact opposite of what we actually do. We've got lights, we've got synths, we've got electric everything. Her plans turned out to be incorrect. They turned out not to come to pass. I mean, seriously, when we moved up here, her first goal in worship ministry was to find a killer banjo player. Like, that's what she wanted to do. I offered to play harmonica. She said, maybe I'll let you play tambourine. I mean, we had no idea what we were going to be doing when we started this church. Now, look, I don't know if you've ever been grateful that your plans for your life didn't work out the way you expected. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're looking back and you're like, holy cow, am I glad the things that I expected, the things that I planned for, the things that I hoped and prayed for did not happen. I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life, but I, for one, am so incredibly glad that God's vision for Connect Church was so much bigger than anything my wife and I could have dreamed up. I am humbled and I am excited that God didn't give me what I was asking for, that God didn't answer the prayers that I prayed because he knew there was actually something better in store for me. Now, listen, I want to tell you this morning that this God who answers prayers in infinitely more creative and abundant ways than you could ever hope or think, the scripture says, that God not only blesses churches in that manner, but he also blesses individuals that way. People just like you and me. That is, we have these dreams, these visions, these expectations for our life, and God comes along and he says, no, I wanna give you something better. I wanna give you something bigger. I wanna give you something more effective. I wanna do something in you and through you that you cannot even picture at this point. Again, that scripture says, God is willing and able to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. As we wrap up our Tweetable Truth sermon this uh, series this month, we are going to focus on one final proverb that talks to us about vision. Actually, Al quoted it. I don't even know if he knew this was the uh, verse for this morning, but he quoted it. It's a verse about vision. And if you're at all familiar with the Bible, if you've ever sat in a business seminar, or if you've ever been at a church on Vision Sunday, this verse has probably come up. And we're gonna talk about it maybe in a different light than what you've experienced before. But my hope is it's gonna help you to understand that God's vision for your life is way better than anything you could dream up for your life, just as I found to be true in our organization and in my own heart as well. So let's look at this verse. It's Proverbs chapter number number 29, verse 18, the scripture says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but there is great joy in keeping God's law. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but there is great joy 
for anyone who will keep God's law. Now, look, it would be super easy, and this is the obvious route. It's actually quite tempting for me to get up here and to use this verse as a springboard into preaching my vision for this church, to get up here and to lay out a five-year plan for you guys and to say, this is where we're going, and this is our time frame, and these are the target goals, and all of that stuff. I could do it for sure. I could lay all that out for you. I mean, you may have even heard pastors do this sort of thing before, use this verse to say, here's our vision. This is where we're headed. In fact, if we don't have a vision, then people are going to die. You know, that's what the verse says. And so it would be very easy for me to do that. But let me tell you a couple of problems with that approach and why I'm not going to do that this morning. We'll get into vision like casting in a little bit. I'll talk to you about where God has brought us and where we're going over the next couple of years is really, really exciting. But I don't want us to miss what this verse is actually saying to me and to you. So Um, Let me talk to you just a little bit here about why we wouldn't just preach vision in that sense. First of all, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message, I've been wrong about vision before, okay? You understand that I am a normal dude just like you are. It's not like God speaks to me in any special way that he doesn't speak to you guys. I don't have a hotline on my desk, right? It's not like I'm like, dear Jesus, I need a vision for the church and bring the phone rings and I pick it up and he tells me what the vision is. That's not how it works. In fact, a lot of the times the things that I I expect the things that I think will come to pass actually don't. And so I don't want to stand up here in front of you and cast my vision for what this church is going to look like over the next couple of years, because in truth, I am not infallible and I could very well be wrong. So I want to be very, very cautious about doing that. The other thing that I've found is that my goals for my own life, for the church, whatever it is, often they are too small. I'm too scared. I'm motivated a lot by fear and what if, and maybe nobody's going to show up. And if I had this conversation, it could go badly. Or if I were to start giving or serving, then I wouldn't have enough time. And a lot of, a lot of the days I am motivated by fear. And so I tend to scale down vision in my own life. I tend to pull it back a little bit. And so I'm like, well, let's do something that's manageable, something that's maybe achievable. 60 people at one year. I could probably pull that off. You know what I mean? I think my vision ends up being too small most of the time. And the other side of that coin is that my vision often ends up being too selfish. If I want to be really frank with you guys, I could lay out a vision for where I think our church should go. And in the end, I'm going to look like a rock star, right? I'm going to have the biggest church in Calgary and people are going to love my preaching and I'm going to have thousands of downloads every week and all this stuff. I mean, my goals tend to make me look like the superstar. And I think if I, am, if I focus the right mindset around this church, it is not about me. It's not about our worship team. It is not about anything but Jesus. It's about God. It's about what he wants to do. And so I want to be very, very cautious that I don't stand up here on Sunday mornings and make you guys a means to my end. Do you understand what I mean? So there are a couple of problems with me saying, well, here's the vision, and this is exactly where we're going, and here's how we're going to get there, and all of that stuff, okay? The second problem, or the second issue with looking at this verse that way, is that the word vision, it actually doesn't mean what we want it to mean in this passage. Maybe you recognize this. You've done some study on this verse before. Maybe this is totally new. But if you read this at a very superficial and surface level, you'll say, oh, vision, I get it. I've heard vision in business context and things like that, so I know exactly what it means. But when you dig in and you study what this word means in the scripture, you know what you find out? 
It doesn't mean vision in the sense of my ability to predict the future or my ability to paint a compelling vision of what's to come and then to motivate everybody to get on board so we can accomplish it. The word vision in Proverbs 29, 18 actually means instead of that idea of vision, it means divine guidance or revelation from God. Now, if that's what that word means, and it is, it actually changes the meaning of the verse quite a bit, doesn't it? Because rather than a prediction from some man, you actually get guidance or divine revelation from God. Whereas one of those things, one of those approaches, one of those plans to what's going to come next in our lives and in our organization, whereas one of them comes from earth, The other one actually comes from heaven. And I don't know about you, but I tend to trust stuff that comes from heaven more than comes from earth. Whereas one of them is based on like my prediction or our leadership capability or our long range planning. The other way of understanding this verse is actually based on God's promise. And I think you guys will be much better off if you trust God's promises than my ability to plan for anything, all right? So here we've got this verse. And the easy way for me to approach it this morning would be to get up here and to talk about my vision, my vision, my vision, my vision. And yet the verse is really clear that what matters is not my vision, what matters is God's vision. That what we need this morning is not a plan from Dan. That was nice. It's not a plan from Dan. We need a promise from God. We need to know where God wants Connect Church to be in one year's time or two years' time or 10 years' time. The the second half of this verse, like it's always very dramatic. When I first became a Christian and I first heard this verse, I was like, whoa, man, like people are going to die. They're going to perish because there's no vision. In reality, if you study out that word, what it actually means is that people run wild or other translations say they cast off restraint, right? And so if you kind of put this verse in, like if we were to rephrase it a little bit, it does not say if Dan and Amber cannot build a compelling vision for the church to follow, then everything's going to fall apart. That's not what this verse says. Instead, it says, anytime people refuse to accept God's vision in their life, they end up running wild. That, that idea of running wild, the metaphor that's behind it is actually quite interesting. It's the metaphor of like uh, horses that are in a draft order, you know, like they're pulling a cart or a plow or something, and they're yoked together in line with other animals, other horses. And if you were to set them free, if they were to cast off their restraint, those horses would do what? They'd run wild. They'd go wherever the heck they wanted to. One would be like, dang, there's a fine lady horse over there. And he'd go running after her. And then there'd be another one that's like, I'm hungry. And so he'd go over here and he'd eat this grass. And there'd be another one that would stay behind. And he's like, you guys are in trouble. Every horse would go in its own direction and do its own thing. People would cast off restraint. They would run wild. And that is detrimental to fulfilling God's vision. And so the verse is not about me, it's about God. In fact, here's what I think this passage actually teaches us. The vision does not belong to us. The vision, whether we're talking about the vision for connect or we're talking about the vision for our individual lives, the vision, it does not belong to us. It belongs to God. He's the one who defines and orders things. And the best thing we can do is to live in line with his vision rather than our vision. The truth is, 
my vision for Connect doesn't matter a whole lot. With all due respect, your vision for Connect Church doesn't really matter a whole lot. What matters is God's vision, his mission, his plans that he wants us to accomplish. If you and I are tasked with coming up with a vision for our lives or for our organization, if it's our job to hammer out the vision all on our own, we are in trouble. Why? Because there are so many different competing visions of what a church is supposed to look like, isn't there? There are so many different ideas. So on the one hand, you'll have people and they'll say, uh, oh, we need a large church. We need to reach the entire city. We need to fill up this theater and that theater. And we need to go to multiple services and all those things. And in the same room, you'll have people that say, no, let's stay a small church. I love knowing everybody's name. I love seeing my friends. It can't be family if we've got multiple services. And so if we have to come up with a vision, already we're gonna start dividing lines. We're gonna start going this way and that way, and we're going to set up as opposed to one another. But it's not just about like our size or our attendance. I mean, think about it. You'll get people, if we start trying to come up with a vision ourselves, you'll get people who are social justice, you know? And they're like, do you have any idea how many homeless people there are in Calgary? Our job as a church is to go meet their needs, to serve the least of these. Goodness gracious, Dan, we have got to go take care of that. If we don't eradicate homelessness and poverty in our city, who will? That's on the one hand. Not wrong, okay? But on the other hand, you'll get people, and they're not fighting for social justice, they're fighting social crusades. And so they'll say, Dan, do you realize that Starbucks does not say Merry Christmas? They'll say Happy Halloween, but they will not say Merry Christmas. They say Happy Holidays. We got to do something about that. We need to organize a boycott. We got to let them know that we won't stand for that. And on opposite ends of the spectrum, we've got people who want us to serve the community and people who want us to fight the culture around us. How do we decide? We get into these discussions about whether or not we're going to be an evangelism church or discipleship church, whether we're going to be a worship church or we're going to be a preaching church. We get into all of these different visions that compete for who we're going to be and where we're going to go. And then you're left wondering, how do we decide? How do we decide whether we're going to be large or small? How do we decide if we're going to be evangelism or discipleship? How do we decide if we're going to be social justice or social crusades? How do we decide? In some churches, the pastor pulls rank. And he says, hey, I'm the pastor. You need to respect my authority. You guys need to follow in line. Do what I tell you to do. That's one way of handling it. But I don't think that's really biblical. Then you'll get people who, they don't pull rank, but they pull funding. And they're like, Dan, do you have any idea how much I give? Like, go talk to your accountant. Go talk to your treasurer. You'll find out. And if you don't do what I think the church should do, then I'm just going to be forced to stop giving. And then, you know, good luck, right? Now, here's the good news, you guys. Neither of those things have ever happened at Connect in the year we've been in existence. And I mean that very seriously. I've never pulled rank. I've never said, hey, I'm the pastor. You need to get in line. And I've never had anybody threaten to pull resources. Because so far, we have been united around a single vision. Our job is to make sure we continue to stay united in a single vision. Do you realize that 85% of churches in North America never break the 200 mark in attendance? Never. 85% of churches never get past the point that we're sitting at right now. And the reason is not that they're bad. It's not that they're stupid. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's that they, at this size, we get just big enough that things are different and we can kind of sustain ourselves and keep going forward. But 
We're also small enough where everybody knows their names and it feels like family and community, right? And so if we all start to fight for our vision for what this church is going to look like, then we will stay at this point and go no further. And I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about our ability to impact the cities around us. And so we have got to be very, very careful that we don't fight for our vision. We fight for God's vision. The, the worst thing that can happen with me not getting my way in the church is not that you would get your way. The worst thing that could happen is that God would not get his way because his vision is what we really need to focus on. The scripture says here that, um, you know, where there is no vision, that is where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Some translations say they perish. And the truth of the matter is, even that, that very blunt translation of perish, there is some truth to that, you guys. Because if we never get our act together, right? If as a church, we forget our mission, we drift from the vision that God has given us, then there will be lots and lots of people in Calgary who end up perishing. Spiritually, they will wither and die. They will never know how much God loves them because we are too busy fighting for our own preferences or we're too busy trying to accomplish our own hopes and dreams in our organization. So this verse is way more true and it's way more important than we might ever realize. Where people refuse to accept God's vision, they cast off restraint, they run wild. The resources that they have become useless. People wander, they meander, they get unfocused, they get ununified and they fail to accomplish what God has given them unique opportunity to do. All right, let me share with you here um, what we believe God has called us to. And you've heard this before. This is like our main verse. This is where we do. We start at this point and we go from here. And I promise if you're here and you're like, hey, uh, this is interesting, Dan. You're talking about your organization and stuff. Cool. But I thought you were going to give me a vision for my life. How do I cultivate that personally? We'll get there. I promise. Just bear with me for one sec because they all tie together. In John chapter number 10, verse 10, Jesus says, there is a thief. There are forces in this world that come to steal and kill and ultimately destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that you might have life overflowing or life in abundance, life in the fullest measure possible. And so we start with this verse because we believe this is the vision. We believe this is the mission. This is what we are all about here. It's not about large church. It's not about social justice church. It's not about best worship ministry church. It's not about like best kids ministry church. It is about God's plan to show everybody how much he loves them through Jesus. So you'll see that phrase, life overflowing. We hashtag it. It's on our signage here. You'll see it on our website. Why? Why do we make such a big deal out of life overflowing? And what the heck does it even mean anyway? Let me break it down for you real quick. If you've ever been through Next Steps 1, then this is the sort of stuff we talk about. If you find this intriguing, go to Next Steps 1. You'll get more of this stuff, all right? In John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, Jesus says he came to give life overflowing. This is what life overflowing looks like. It means that you know God, first and foremost. Let's go ahead to the next slide, please. You know God, you find freedom in your life, you make a difference, you discover purpose, right? Those are the things that we want you to do. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we only do four things as a church. You may not know this. We only do four things. We do Sunday services because this is the primary avenue for people to know God. Our services are designed with unchurched people in mind. 
So when you invite your neighbor who's never been to church before and they show up, they don't feel lost. They don't feel like an outsider. They don't feel like they don't belong because we use words that they've never heard before like transubstantiation. Like what the heck does that mean? I barely know. (laughs) Anyway, it's not true. I do know what it means, but it doesn't matter. So Sunday services are designed so that you and your neighbors can know God. Then we want people to find freedom, to get plugged into a small group. When you do life alongside of other people, do you know what you find? You find joy, you find accountability, you find freedom from all of the habits and sins that tend to hold you down throughout your life. We want you to discover your purpose. When you go through next steps, we don't just sit down and say, okay, here's everything you need to know about Connect Church. No, it's also about you. Week two, we only talk about you. How has God wired you? What are your gifts and abilities? We do a spiritual gifts inventory. We do a personality inventory so that you can understand how God has created you so that in week three of next steps and when you join the dream team, you're serving in a way that is fun. You're serving in a way that's in line with the gifting that God has given you. And then, of course, we want everybody to make a difference. We want you to serve on the dream team, all right? Now, look, this is what God has called us to do. And I'm telling you guys, any measure of success that Connect Church has seen over the last year or year and a half is not because of my preaching. It is not because of Amber's singing. It's not because of our programming. It's not because we got good hashtags or a solid web presence. It's not any of that. It's because we have a group of people that have rallied around this call to introduce the city of Calgary and Airdrie and everywhere else we possibly can to life overflowing in Jesus. Guys, the only vision that matters is God's vision. His call, his plan, his mission that he has given to us. If we stay on that grind, I promise you, we will see bigger and better things happening than we could ever dream up on our own if we try to hijack the vision and fight for what we think would be best. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, oh, good on you guys, man, that's awesome. Good on you, Dan, and Dream Team, and everybody else. I hope you're able to accomplish that. I hope that you're able to fulfill the vision that God's given you. You guys go for it, right? If that's where you're feeling, that's where you're sitting this morning, can I challenge you with a thought? Maybe something you've never, ever considered before. Vision is fulfilled by the congregation, not the organization. I'm going to say that again. You might want to write it down. I don't know. Vision is fulfilled by the congregation, not the organization. See, there are people that come to church and they have this mindset like, oh, that's the pastor's job or the dream team. They've got all that covered. I don't know who this they is, but they will do it, right? They think there are magic elves or there are angels or committees or something that are designed to help us introduce people to overflowing life through Jesus. But the reality is it's not an organization that does that. It's the congregation. There is no organization. Do you realize the church is not a building? The church is not like a charity the church is the people. You are the church. And that means if the church is going to fulfill its mission in the world, you got to do it. You can't say, oh, that's their job. Somebody else's, the organization is going to make it happen. No, it is people like you who've gone through next steps and they lead small groups and they invite their friends. These are the people who fulfill the vision. 
if you got a butt and you're sitting in a seat this morning, you are the one that God has called to help introduce the world to life overflowing in Jesus. It's you. It's not me. It's not us. It's, well, it's us, but you know, it's not the organization. All right. Here's the truth. We have lots and lots of contributors at Connect. That's one of the reasons we've been very successful. We have a group of people that have rallied around the mission. I'm gonna share with you some numbers about the dream team and all that stuff, and we gotta move quick. But the idea here is that we've got a good group of, of contributors, but there are also a lot of people who are consumers. And so a contributor will move from like seeking after God to being saved and to serving, but a consumer will be a seeker, they'll become saved, and then they sit. And to be quite frank with you, we don't have a lot of room for consumers, okay? This is not a cruise line, it's a battleship. This is not someplace that you come to sit and just kind of passively watch. We don't have enough room. Now you're looking around and you're like, dude, I see a lot of empty seats, you got plenty of room. The problem is not in here, the problem is actually out in that hallway. Do you know over the last few weeks, we have had 50 or more grade five and younger kids here. One third of everybody that comes to church here on Sundays is a kid. Do you have any idea how many volunteers and how much work it takes to pull off an amazing kids program at our size church for that number of kids? It's a lot. And so we don't have capacity for consumers. We need contributors. Like with all due respect and love, we need more of you to get out of the seats and onto the field. You need to get out of the stands. Don't be a spectator. Start serving because vision is accomplished by the congregation, not the organization. Thank you. I'm glad you guys remembered that part. It is our job together as individuals. And if we don't do it, understand that it will not be done. All right. I'm going to give you some ideas, some specifics, some numbers of where we've been and where we're going. Al told you at the beginning of the message that uh, as you leave, and this is for everybody. I don't care if this is your very first time here. In fact, if it is your first time here, I would love for you to pick up this packet on the way out because it's going to give you a sense of who we are as a church and what we value. Okay. So um, you're going to get a packet. It's going to detail a lot of different numbers, both from like the spiritual standpoint, also from the financial standpoint. And um, we're going to talk about some of those things. And then we're going to talk about where God's leading us as a congregation in the next couple of years. All right. So let's put this up here. Um, If you can't make sense out of this, this is exactly what you're going to get when you walk out, okay? This is our document, our reporting document for the year. And so um, if you don't, if you can't see it or can't make sense out of it, you'll get your opportunity here very shortly. There are a couple of things I wanna highlight. I don't wanna highlight attendance. It doesn't really matter. Attendance is not that important. It's not that difficult to get people to come and sit in a seat. What matters is moving people from consumers to contributors. So here's something I wanna celebrate. When we launched Connect Church oh, a little over a year ago, we had 46 people serving on a Sunday. Today, we have 93 people serving throughout the month. That's incredible, you guys, because that means our dream team, our contributors have more than doubled. And that means that a few people are not carrying the load all by themselves in order to make this happen. We've seen 12 baptisms in the last year, which is really exciting. I mean, I'm pumped for that. And this year, we're on track to do even more. Not only that, but we have seen 51 starts and restarts, that is salvations and rededications for people that have come to a service, they've heard of God's love, and they said, this is the sort of God that I wanna give my heart and life to. That is incredible, you guys. Yes. 
We're not going to talk too much about finances. You can dig through that, those numbers if you want. But here's the cool thing. Because you guys are generous, we're able to do the ministry we want. That's what it comes down to. Because you guys are generous, we're able to do the ministry we want. Now, we got more, we've got ways to go. There are more things that we want to be able to do. So don't stop being generous. Don't say, oh, well, people are giving. They don't need anything from me. No, we all have to contribute. We all have to fulfill the vision, okay? But I want you guys to know that your generosity is enabling us to do the mission that we want and the vision that God has given us. All right, here are a couple of things. Where are we going over the next couple of years? Um, these are predictions. If we don't hit these marks or timetables, no big deal, you guys, okay? So this is not gospel. God did not ring me up on my special phone and tell me this is what's gonna happen. This is just based on the trajectory that we're going on. And these things will happen if as a congregation, we continue to fulfill the vision. Okay, so the first one is, we expect to move out of this theater, theater number two, into theater number one very shortly. Um, we definitely believe we'll be there by Easter. The good news is it is a much larger theater. There aren't many more seats, but it's a more open environment, and it's a lot nicer. It's their big AVX special theater. And so we are pumped to be moving into there because it's gonna feel a lot nicer in that room. That's a big step for us. That is really, really exciting, okay? And then we expect to fill that sucker up, and then who knows what we're going to do. Actually, we know what we're going to do, okay? We expect that we'll probably begin two Sunday morning services September of next year. So in a year, our plan is to move to having a second service. There are lots of logistical issues. I don't know what time the services are going to be, you guys. I don't know how we're going to get it all together. We've got a year to plan, but I want to warn you now that we're going to be moving in that direction because we're getting near capacity and we're going to be near capacity again in the other theater. So we're going to have to move to two services at some point. Our goal in the next year is to see in total, okay, 120 decisions for faith and 40 baptisms. That's what we're praying for. We want to see those numbers. Now, again, that, this is so that we can um, see tangible examples of life change. Uh, we want to achieve full financial self-sufficiency. You'll see when you go through the numbers in our packet um, that we still rely on a bit of outside funding from our denomination, from partner churches. We're getting really close to being fully self-supported, but we want to get there and be done and over, and then they can take those resources that they're giving to us, and they can give them to new churches that are launching around in the city. We hope that by this time next year, we'll be at that point. We were given a, a launch loan from our church planning organization. It's a zero interest loan, and we pay it back through our missions budget. We want to get that sucker wiped out in the next year. 40000 bucks is about what we owe right now. We've been paying it down at a steady rate, and uh, we want to get all of that wiped out so we can take those resources and invest them directly into new church plants around the city. And then we want to eventually plant a second campus or a daughter church. And our goal is we would do that before the end of the decade. Like in 2019, we would be actively involved in planting another church. And I'm not going to go into what all that means, but that means that we are going to give our best so that another church can be born. Okay? Don't freak out. I'm not going to tell you you have to leave and go to another church or anything silly like that. But I want you to know that if, as a congregation, we are going to fulfill the vision, it is going to take some sacrifice and some hard work in the years to come. But guys, it's worth it. Yeah. It is worth it. And we're going to have an amazing time doing it. All right. Let me wrap this up. You're saying again, okay, Dan, awesome. Now I know a whole lot more than I ever thought I'd care to know about Connect Church, but I expected to hear about a vision from my life. I thought you were going to tell me what the vision is for my life. And I am and I'm not. Okay, sorry about that. 
I am next month. The entire month of November is about your mission, your vision, your plan for how to invest your life instead of wasting your life. We're going to spend four Sundays talking about that. But I'm also going to tell you what the vision is for your life in the sense that if you go back to Proverbs uh, 29 here, I want you to notice it doesn't say where there is no vision for a church, people perish. It doesn't say where there is no vision for ministry, people perish. It doesn't say where there is no pastoral vision, people perish. It says where there is no vision, where people refuse to accept divine guidance, then resources and lives are wasted. This is a principle that is true of organizations, but guys, it is true of your life too. You can develop your own vision You can plan out every step of your life and say, I know exactly where I'm gonna be in 10 or 20 years. I know exactly what it's gonna look like. And you could still end up being wrong. So let me challenge you to do for yourself what I challenge you to do as an organization, as a congregation. Rather than fighting for your own vision, I want you to understand what God's vision is for your life. If you do that, the scripture says here, there is great joy in keeping God's law and following his commands. If you will live out God's mission and vision for your life, you will find purpose, you will find meaning, you will find joy unspeakable and full of glory because you are finally doing what God put you on this earth to do. If you wanna know a little bit about what that looks like, you want just a taste just a little bit, go read Micah 6, 8. We're gonna be talking about that verse in the next month, Micah 6, 8. I don't have it on the screen, so you're gonna have to go look it up yourself. Micah 6, 8, Google it, and you will see that God has something very different for your life than what you planned. You wanna plan from God, and instead he wants to give you a promise. He wants you to live out this vision from heaven rather than something you can develop on your own. Listen, if you do that as an individual, If we do that as a church, there is nothing that will stop us. There is nothing that can stand against us. We will accomplish everything that's in our hearts and much, much more if we get in line with God's vision and don't fight for our own.